I say the word sexuality, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? I don't expect y'all to say anything. I'm glad y'all responded. Yeah, so last week we had this whole conversation didn't nobody want to say anything. Well, I want you to think about this for a second, and I, and I don't want really a response right here because I don't want you to out yourself or anything, but I want us to be serious for a moment. So we've been in this whole series all about modern love, talking all about, man, what true love actually is, how love is not a what, it's a who. Then we had a conversation about the greatest gift that God gave to man and woman, husband and wife, and that was the gift of sex. And the reason that we talked about it was because our culture now is utilizing one of the greatest gifts in a way that it was never intended to be used. So a gift that was meant to bring life, joy, peace, and sustenance in marriage is actually bringing brokenness, hurt, pain, depression, and suicide in relationships and in individuals today. Then last week we talked about one of the heaviest subjects that we've probably talked about in the past five years of me being here. We talked about transgenderism and the issue with actually believing that you were born in a body that you were not meant to be born in. That we're living in a world now where there are options to actually fulfill and change the identity that you believe that you are. And the truth that we talked about last week was that what we see in scripture as followers of Jesus, what we know is that every single one of us were born in a body that were not meant to be ours. That is why Jesus offers us a glorified new body in heaven, that every single one of you right now, regardless of who you are, you have habits, behaviors, attitudes that you don't want, that you wanna be free from, and it's not your fault, it's sin's fault. And so tonight, we're gonna be continuing the conversation, talking about that word, sexuality. And in a minute, I'm gonna put something on the screen, and before you guys tune out, what I want you to do, like Nick said, is lean in, learn something, and listen, because here's the deal. Even though I am talking, what I know about God is that he is always speaking to those who are listening to him. The Bible says that God is seeking to and fro throughout the earth, looking for people who are seeking him. And here's the reality and the harsh truth is that God will want to come into your life and encounter you and fill your life with love and peace. But if you're not looking for it, you will miss it every single time. So tonight, regardless of where you find yourself on what I put on the screen, I want you to lean in. Because this is what the world has to offer us right here. I call this the sexuality spectrum. I'm not putting anything, any visuals on the screen so some of y'all don't get too excited, okay? The sexuality spectrum. See, the world offers us these three choices, homosexuality, bisexuality, or heterosexuality. And I put those two very long dashes right there because our world now offers you a plethora of other choices depending on your feelings and your attractions that day. And looking at that, what I want you to do, without saying a word, I want you to go ahead and think, where do you see yourself on that? This is not three words. I want you to think as far left as you could be or as far hormonally charged heterosexual as you could be, where do you see yourself on that? Because the truth is that this is the world we are living in. That right now your identity comes from where you find yourself on the sexuality spectrum. That's why people say things like, I am gay, I am straight. It's because this has become the determining factor for your identity, how you, what, identify. How you identify is no longer based off what God says about you, no longer based off the fact that you were made in his image. It's all based all around this issue, your sexual orientation. And you guys need to know that your sexuality, I think a lot of times we can focus just on those three letters, S-E-X, and just focus on sex, but sexuality, you guys need to hear me, it's a whole lot bigger. 
If you're writing this down, you can break it down like this. And the reason I'm talking about this and it's gonna sound a little bit, a lot of information, is because guys, these are the conversations that are happening in the classroom, in government. We'll get to that in a minute. In, in your classrooms, at home, this issue. And so you guys need to know that sexuality is broken down into three main parts. Your sexual attractions and desires and feelings. It's all of those feelings and attractions you have towards the member of the same or opposite sex. How your body just, just it gets filled with all these weird, these butterflies whenever you see that person. It's those feelings you get when you see that girl and then she walks away and you see another part of her. It's all these attractions, all these things that you see. It starts there, but all those are internal. Then it goes to your sexual expression. See, that is how you express and externalize how you feel. That's when the guys, they would say, that's when I shoot my shot. That's when I try to do this. That's when I externalize what I'm feeling. That's when you have your first kiss. That's when you begin to have the marathon makeout sessions. That's when you finally make it to first base. That's when you begin to have the act of sex. And all of that leads to sexual orientation. How do you identify? So let me ask you, do not say that out loud. How do you identify up there? Are you a homosexual, bisexual, or heterosexual? Because this is the only option culture is giving us. Because what culture says right now is you need to live your truth. Be yourself. What culture and the world and Netflix and Instagram and the whole narrative of society right now is to, hey, those feelings you have, those attractions you have that you don't really understand or really can't control, follow them. Like, be true to who you are. Live your truth. Don't let anybody offend you. Don't let anybody say anything about you. Look, if you want to be that way, go all out. Be as flamboyant as possible or be as homophobic as possible. The world is saying that you need to follow your feelings to the point where you have fully identified yourself with a feeling because it starts there. So what does God say? Because the culture always will say live your truth, but before you live a truth, you've got to learn the truth. And what we know to be true is that God's word is truth. We talked about this time and time again. We live in a world with such chaos and confusion, and you guys get it, this is not just sexuality, it's every issue. What is the truth? Just tell me the truth. If you've ever been lied to, you understand how real truth actually is. Just tell me the truth. And the good news is we have a God who doesn't leave us in the dark on issues like this or any other issue. He tells us the truth. And then he says in John 8, 32, that it's the truth that will set you free. So what is the truth on sexuality? How should you feel? How should you express those feelings in a godly way? Because remember, God designed sex, okay? We didn't discover it. God created it. How does God want you to identify? Well, on Revive Night, we talked about how the gift of sex, God's desire was to be fulfilled for sex in between one man, one woman, in marriage, period. And I don't have time to go all into that right now, so if you missed that, please go back and listen on Spotify to our Revive Night message. And we talked about how sex is the greatest gift ever, but the greater the gift, the greater the consequence when it's used outside of the context it was created for. So what if you're not married? What does that mean for us? <laughs> because I don't know if you know this, dating is a human-made concept. God did not create dating. We created it like 100-some-odd years ago. So what does God have to say about your sexual attraction? What does God have to say about the way that you express those feelings? Well, what does he say? Well, if you take marriage out of it, it's the same thing. One man and one woman. One guy, one girl. And so you can study scripture on this. We don't have time to go into it. It's just a crude conversation. 
God's scripture is clear on the truth that all love relationships are to mirror what mirror marriage in the sense that it's between one guy and one girl. So according to scripture, homosexuality and bisexuality, it's a sin. So God's desire is for you to be heterosexual. Or is it? Because I believe there's something bigger. Bigger. Because I believe that you can be as far right on that spectrum and still be living so far outside of God's best for you that you can't even find joy anymore. And before I go any farther, I need to pause like I did last week and let you guys know where we stand as a church. Regardless of where you are right now, regardless of how you identify, whether you are so left on that spectrum or far right, you need to hear me when I say this, that you matter to God. Like you need to hear anything, before I say anything else, truth without love is not truth. You matter to God, okay? You were created by God, you were created in his image, and he loves you regardless of anything that I'm about to say. Regardless of anything they say, you matter to God and you matter to me. We're a little bit too big to where I can have a relationship with every single one of you, but I have relationships with enough of you to know that you matter to me. It doesn't matter what your father says. It doesn't matter how many people don't understand you. You matter to me. I don't care about the people in these seats. They don't represent this church. Me and the leaders do. You matter to me. It doesn't matter how you identify. I've had people come out to me and I smile and say, thank you for the courage to finally confront the feelings you're feeling and the reality you're living in. Like, you need to hear me. You matter to me, but you matter to this church, okay? In a world that is either trying to celebrate you for finally being prideful enough about your decision to give you a month or to have a world who's trying to literally crucify you on a platform. You need to hear me. Gray City Church is a church for you. You do not have to believe what I believe to belong. I am not going to try to subvert my gospel on you in a way that is, is filled with doctrine and dogma. We're going to love you. But we're also going to speak the truth in love. And so what is the goal then for you? Because here's the deal. What if you are a heterosexual and you have very strong attractions and feelings towards members of the opposite sex? Does that make it right? What if you're expressing those attractions and desires right now? What if you are going to spring break and hey, you're not even getting six feet within another same sex person, but you are having marathon makeout sex sessions, uh, getting news from all these other girls, hooking up with all these other people. Like what does that mean for you? Just because it's heterosexual behavior, does that make it right? Well, no. Because the truth is God did not create that spectrum. We did. Homosexuality, bisexuality, and heterosexuality were terms that we created to somehow confront the feelings and the orientation that we did. You know what God created? You know what God wants us to be oriented with? You know the number one goal for every single one of us, regardless of your feelings, attractions, desires, expressions, or orientation, the number one thing God wants for every single one of us because it's actually the thing that will lead to the life that you long for? The number one thing. You know what it is? It's holiness. Hear me, and I'm going to freak some of you out. God does not want you to be a heterosexual. You're not cool. You're not more of a man because you can actually follow a feeling. Anybody can do that. He doesn't want you to be heterosexual. He wants you to be holy. God doesn't want you just to be homosexual. He wants you to be holy. God does not want you to be anything other than the you he created to be. God never called us to be homosexual, bisexual, or heterosexual. He calls us to holiness. So what is that? Look at what this verse says in 1 Thessalonians 4.3. God's will for you is to be set apart for him in holiness and that you keep yourselves unpolluted from sexual immorality. Yes, 
Each of you must guard your sexual purity regardless of where you find yourself on the spectrum. You must guard your sexual purity with holiness and dignity. What does it say? Not yielding to lustful passions, desires, feelings, and attractions like those who don't know God. Holiness is twofold. Hear me. Holiness, it means to be set apart from sin and to be set apart to God. It's kind of like what uh, Pastor Tim talked about on Sunday. It's being set apart from everything that is opposite of God's best for you. Everything. This is not just sexual. This is, man, this is drunkenness. And we're about to read a verse in a minute. That's every single thing in the world that is against God. It's being set apart from that, turning away from that, and being set apart to God. What I love about our relationship with God, not religion, is that it's not a big no. It's a better yes. Hear me. God will never, ever, 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 never, ever, I dare you to test my God on this. He will never tell you to say no to something without giving you a better yes to say heck yes to. Because when you give your yes, you will be so satisfied and so fulfilled with that yes that that no that used to be hard for you will now disgust you because it's called a testimony. It's called a process. So God never calls you to be homosexual, bisexual, or heterosexual. He calls you to holiness. So if that's simple, though, why is this so difficult? Why is it that people on this end of the spectrum are definitely afraid to come out with how they feel because of how judged they'll be? And why is it that for people on this side of the spectrum, they can't even understand or empathize or even look at that person anymore because now, even though their sexual orientation is different than theirs, they think that their sin is different than theirs because their reality is different. Why is this so difficult? Well, having walked with people, having counseled and pastored people in this, and you guys know people too, you know the number one, one of the number of reasons other than what, like we talked about last week, this is so difficult for people to live holy? It's because why are these feelings so strong? Like why is it, if this is wrong, why in God's name are these feelings so strong? And this is not just sexuality, this is any sin. Why is it, if God wanted me to be this way, why would I have these feelings that are so flipping strong that I can't help but do it? Because regardless of who you are, that's what this, it feels like. Why is it that my feelings are so strong? Those attractions, those desires, I just can't help it. I, I, I just have to. I have to go back to that computer screen. I, I, I just have to. Like, I have to go back to that girl. I have to, even though we broke up, even though he broke my heart, I, I, I have to go back. Look, I, I, look I, I don't want this. I actually hate it. I hate this about me, but I can't help it. Why? Because the feelings are so strong, so it must be right. Right? The reason that you're battling with that is because sexual orientation is not the only orientation you need to be aware of. There's something bigger at play. Because you need to hear me. You were not born with a sexual orientation. You were born with a sinful orientation. Let this sink in for a second. I'm gonna take you guys off the hook for a, lo- for, for, for a second. All the pressure you feel, all the pressure to conform, all this. Hear me, it's not your fault. It's not. Because like we talked about last week, you were made in the image of God. You have God the Father's, you have the Father's nature in you. But if you keep reading the story in Genesis 3, we have a fallen nature as well. Because Adam and Eve, they were the only perfect people to ever live. They opted out of God's way. God said, this is the best way to live. Do this, but don't do this because they chose their own way. They allowed sin and death to enter the world. So when you were born, you were born with a broken body. You were born into this world with behaviors that you didn't want. So before you chose that orientation, it had already chosen you. 
because it's how, you, you, you know what I'm saying, you were, you were bored. So it's not your sexual orientation, that's, it's your sinful orientation. And the goal of your life is to no longer see yourself for the lifestyle you live, but for the life that God wants to live, where? In you. And so the goal is not how you identify. You don't get to choose that. God chose it for you. It's you identify as holy to be so set apart from everything else and to be set apart to him. Because what happens when you follow your feelings? The other day, I'll be honest with you, and I have another testimony I'm going to show you. We got home from Revive Night. My wife can attest to this. I was really craving some key lime pie. I had to talk about food. Like, we're just talking about crazy. So I, I decided I had this feeling, I'm so hungry, I got to eat this two-thirds left of this key lime pie. If you ever had Publix key lime pie, it flipping smacks, bro. I'm like, it looks good. I'm hungry. I have a desire and I'm finna indulge, you know what I'm saying? So I go in my freezer, and I eat every dang last bit of that key lime pie, and my wife's like, you gonna get sick? I said, baby, I don't care. I want it. Not in kidding. I want it. I threw it three times that night. Not kidding. Because the truth is, you cannot indulge every desire that you have. You cannot follow every feeling that you have, because all of those feelings didn't originate with you. They originated from experience, from sin, from the enemy, from the world. I know people who feel so addicted to their computer screen and their right hand. Should they follow those feelings? No. I literally have had conversations with people that are sexually attracted with children. And before you judge, hear me, it's the same to God. Should they follow their feelings? Heck no. What's the difference? Like I know people who are so addicted to receiving pixels of people and objectifying them to a 2D image and sending it for their pleasure. Should they follow their feelings? Are you flipping kidding me? No. What is the difference? Hear me. Guys, I, I'm just trying to equal the level playing field. We are the same in God's eyes. And here's the deal. That's why he sent one son. One son for one sin. That's it. So we've got to stop pointing the fingers. And we've got to be introspective enough to say, thank God you sent your one son because of the one sin I am living in sin. It's not about them. It's not about them. It's about me. And the moment you try to take the pressure off of yourself and you're saying to point it to somebody else, you are the very people who crucified Christ. Because it was the Pharisees who said, oh man, you gotta, you gotta get there. It was, the, it was the spiritual leaders who said, we are perfect, we're good. And you know what Jesus said to them? You're like whitewashed tombs. You look great on the outside, but you're dead on the inside. We've got to stop pointing fingers and we've got to offer empathy because you don't know their struggle until you're in the middle of it. You have no idea what your struggle is going to be two weeks from now. You have no idea what's going to happen to your mental when you have a best friend, loved one say, I am gay and you're going to begin to empathize and be like, oh my God, I've been wrong this whole time. That's where I was two years ago. You have no idea what your struggle or your friend's struggle is going to be in a year from now. So we've got to stop pointing the fingers. It's one son for one sin. And hear me. I want to tell you a story again and show you of a woman named Jackie Hill Perry. This was her life. The time she was a kid, same-sex attraction, literally believed this was the best way to live until one day something changed. Take a look at this video. A lot of how we talk about sexuality or how we view sexuality, it doesn't come from scripture, it comes from stories. Yes, there is the reality of same-sex attraction and what that means for humanity, but there's also the other reality that God is real and that his word is actual and that it is to be believed and when believed, things change. I think when I consider Jesus, he didn't just come 
and die, and that's that. But he actually lived. And in his living, he was able to understand the human condition and therefore offer us empathy because he got into it. As early as four or five, I felt like I was attracted to the same sex. And I didn't know what to do with it, didn't feel the freedom to talk to anybody about it. And then even as a teenager, just kind of wrestling with stuff and just eventually submitting to it. The thing about feelings is God made them. God created us with the capacity to feel. And the main reason he did it is so that we could glorify him with our feelings. But the, the thing about sin is sin distorted that. And so even when you go back to Genesis 3 and you see that Eve is looking at this tree that God said, hey, the day you eat of this tree, you shall surely die. That was his word, that was to be believed. And if believed, she would continue to live freely. When she started to listen to Satan, and be tempted, it said that she thought that the tree was desired to make one wise. I think it's interesting that she uses a word of affection to describe how she sees this tree now. And I think the desire was real. I think it was a real feeling that then governed how she saw the word of God. And so I can't trust my feelings because my feelings really ultimately have no authority. The word of God is the ultimate authority in everything. And so if I put my feelings above scripture, I'm gonna be led to death every single time. I choose God because I love God. And that's not to say that there isn't the still present gnawing of my flesh to want what I used to love, which is sin, which is lesbianism, which is women, which is pride. But what the Holy Spirit does when he comes inside of somebody is he completely makes them new. I'm able to look at the tree and see that the tree actually isn't good for food. I think it's a habit of some to, to assume that somebody coming to the Lord who is same-sex attracted, that coming to Christ means that your old affections will be done away with, that somehow you will become straight that somehow you'll just desire marriage overnight and have kids and all of that type of stuff. And a lot of times it's presented like a kind of gospel, as if having heterosexual desires are actually a fruit of the spirit and not self-control. There are many believers who love Jesus, are filled with the spirit, are bearing the fruits of the spirit, and are committed to a life of celibacy because they, as far as they know, will never find themselves attracted to the opposite sex. But the thing is, they are just as glorifying to the Father as I might be, being someone who God happened to allow to walk in a heterosexual marriage and have children. But the thing is, my marriage is not evidence of salvation, but the fruit of the Spirit is evidence of salvation. I was bearing the fruits of the Spirit far before I ever met my husband. And so this is less about sexuality and more about, are you living for the reason you were made, which is to know God and glorify Him. And so I think what needs to happen is that people recognize that what God is calling those who are same-sex attracted to be is not necessarily straight, but holy. That God is calling them to Himself, and in doing so, even if those affections still exist, He will give you the power to flee them every single time because He's that strong. And so I think we need to reframe 
how we present the gospel. The gospel has to be, you're not coming to God to be straight, but you're coming to God for Jesus. He has to be the reason why people come. And when he is the reason why people come, they will stay with him the whole time because they weren't promised something that the scripture never promised in the first place. Give it up, give it up. So her name is uh, Jackie Hill Perry. She wrote a book called Gay Girl, Good God. And I challenge you guys to YouTube her, look her up. Man, her story is not just one story. Man, it is a symbol of so many other people's story. They found freedom. I love what she said, not in being straight, okay, but being holy. And the quest of every single follower of Jesus is not to change how you identify, it's to be holy. And what I love about that verse that we read earlier is that holiness, it's not just profitable, it's not just good, it's possible. Because I know how it can feel to deal with an issue for five, six, seven years and to actually believe that that is how you're destined to be. Some of you need to hear me, and I might offend some of you, I do not mean for this to. You guys, you are not defined by your desires, okay? You are defined by your designer. Some of you need to hear this, so please look at me when I say this. If it doesn't apply to you, let it go in one ear and just stay in your brain because you'll need it later. Some of you, you're not gay. You just don't know how to identify any other way. For some of you, your name that you have right now is not your real name. You just could not find any fulfillment with the other one. For some of you, you need to understand and hear me when I please, please say this. You are not bi. You have no idea how confusing sexuality can be, especially when puberty comes, especially when all that, like it's the most confusing topic in the world. You know what you are though? Holy. But how do you live holy? This is what's incredible. You don't have to try. You know what's funny? You don't have to try. Because you know what happens when you give your life to Jesus? You know what you get? If you know his name, shout it out. And don't say Jesus. You know how you live holy. You don't have to try. What do you get for free at salvation? Say it louder. Thank you. If you know the answer, it's two words. The first name is the last thing and what I'm asking. How do you live holy? You don't have to try. What do you get for free when you give your life to Jesus? The Holy Spirit. You cannot do this on your own. I dare you to try to deny your desires on your own. And shame will come all over you because you can't. I dare you to try to follow Jesus in your own power. You can't. You cannot be holy. The Bible says to be holy like I am holy. You can't. You know who can? The person whose name it is, Holy Spirit. Because the truth is you are helpless. You need to hear me. I need you guys to reckon with this. You are helpless. You have no hope. You cannot do this on your own. There is no hope for you. You are stuck. And that's why Jesus died for you. You have nothing. Keep battling that porn habit. Trust me, I did it for 10 years. You can't do it on your own. Keep battling that same-sex attraction inwardly and not finally confessing it to somebody else to find freedom. You are stuck because you have a sinful nature. You can't operate outside of the nature that's natural for you. You've been trying it and it's not working. That's why, hear me, this is why salvation is so big. This is why we do it at the end of every message. This is why, don't let it just be some other nonchalant thing that we do every week to appease the people who's here. This is life or death, hear me. Because what happens when you give your life to Jesus, he takes 
for free your sin nature and he gives you his son nature. The Bible says that when you become a Christian, you have what? A new creation. That means you have a new nature. You did nothing, but acknowledge you can't do it on your own. He takes your sinful nature and he gives you the spirit nature. He gives the very thing. He says, I command you to be holy. Here's every resource and answer to do it. He don't want you to do nothing but surrender to the spirit whose name is holy. You are a sinner. We have a savior. You don't have to do anything. Chill, bro. You don't do anything. You are stuck without this. I was the guy in that seat every single week who looked back up at the preacher and said, you're full of it. And the thing I said he was full of, I kept ending up in every single week until I finally surrendered to the one whose very nature is holy. That's why his name is Holy Spirit. This is not just sexual sin, this is everything. This is life, this is your career. This is alcoholism, this is drug addiction. This is trying not to be your father. This is trying to please your mother. This is everything. You can't do it. You never will. But there's somebody who can. And his name is Jesus. And he said, it is better that I leave you so I can send to you the helper, the Holy Spirit. I can't tell you all about it now, Jesus said. But one day you'll know. And all you have to do is follow him, abide in him. And when you invite him into your life, you no longer identify with your desires because you have a new designer. You no longer identify with your feelings. That's why I said that we live by what? Faith, because you will not feel this. But God was killed for this. His son died for this. And so if you're in here, I want you to close your eyes real quick. We do this every week for this very reason, because life and death is at stake. If you are not in a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you would say, Justin, I am stuck, man. This doesn't have to be about this. Don't limit it to the three words I had on the screen at the beginning. If you are stuck in your life, if you need help, there is a savior for you, but you have to surrender. There must come a moment in your life where you say, I am done, I need help. The Bible says that you repent, turn away from your sin, and you give your life to him. Life doesn't get easy, it actually gets harder because the enemy is not gonna go after people who don't pose a threat. So life will get harder, but you have better inside of you. And so if you're in here and you do not have a relationship with Jesus and you want one, I want you to raise your hand so I can see your face and pray for you. And leave it up, because I want to be able to look at you and pray for you. Look up here at me, if that's you. I see you, bro. If that's you, nobody's looking around but me. If that's you, look up here at me. I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you. God, I thank you for the courage of every single person. I see you. God, I pray that we would no longer be stuck in sin in our ways, and our feelings. Holy Spirit, I pray that your spirit, your very nature will become a part of us. God, we thank you that we're not stuck anymore. We thank you that we have you. We thank you that you saw us just like this and three days later after you died, you rose again. And so right now, God, I pray that you would fill us with life and life to the fullest. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.